Good morning. If you turn this thing on, it works better. Uh, really glad you're here this morning. This is Palm Sunday. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem on this day uh, to a great deal of fanfare. Uh, this weekend, Jesus' life was a whirlwind. Uh, his, his impact was having a powerful ripple effect on the region, that part of the world. People lined the streets and gave him a royal reception. They laid palm tree branches down and honored him, and that's why it's called Palm Sunday. Uh, by the end of the week, there was a dramatic turn. Uh, on Sunday, they welcomed him, royal reception. By the end of the week, he was betrayed by a close friend, arrested, and then crucified. We're gathering uh, for the Lord's Supper this Friday, April 19th at 7.15 at the church office. At the Lord's Supper, we'll remember his sacrifice. Good Friday is the day that he was crucified. Uh, he spent the weekend in a grave and was raised from the dead on the Sunday. But we'll share together in giving thanks to uh, him for his body and blood that was offered to buy our spiritual freedom and forgiveness. The Bible instructs us to take time during that service to examine ourselves to see if we need anything to con- if we need if there's anything we need to confess to God or reconcile with their folks. So we'll walk through a time in that service that will bring renewal personally to each of us who participate and as a group. The Lord's Supper is specifically for Christ followers. If you've never been to a Lord's Supper here, I'd, I'd like to invite you to come. I'll walk through some of the events of the Passion Week, which is the last week of li- uh, the life of Christ, his life leading up to his death. And uh, this is a great way for us to prepare for Easter. Easter's coming. Um, my favorite time of the year, for sure. Uh, if you're a follower of Christ, uh, I, invite you, uh, I invite you to join us for the Lord's Supper. We're wrapping up today a series we've called Navigating the Tension. So we've walked through uh, some passages from the Bible that give some real help for navigating those awkward moments when, when you make a judgment call and someone close to you makes the opposite call and you, you know, have that awkward moment where you're trying to figure out how to relate from there on. Um, These aren't matters that are clear in the Bible in terms of, you know, there's, there's some judgment calls that we make and you won't find a scripture or a passage in the Bible that gives clear direction on them. So God leaves it to us to decide how to handle those things. And so we've been talking about what God says about uh, dealing with those matters. And I, I hope a main takeaway for you from this series has been, have the grace to give some space, because God does. <laughs> you know, God, God gives us space. Think about it. God is our maker. He's the one that gave us life. But he doesn't override our free will. We are able to choose whether we serve and follow him. He doesn't write a script for our lives 
and demand that we follow it. He gives us the space to decide for ourselves because he wants a genuine relationship with us. He, he wants to, to allow us, he's allowing us to choose out of our free will because he wants us to be able to love him back genuinely. I mean, you know, if we're robots, if we're having to follow a script or he's wired in some kind of program into our lives, that's, that would make us less than human. That's not the way God made life to work. So last week we specifically talked about how Christ followers navigate tensions with others. And we saw that the church is to be a colony of heaven. We're, we're, we're to be here in the church community. We're to relate to one another and those who come around us uh, like we're going to relate in heaven. It's, it's to be a little glimpse of what it's going to be like there. It's just a little taste here because we're certainly still not perfect and we struggle with stuff. But the most mature are willing to limit their freedoms to avoid creating a stumbling block for the less mature in, in the church. In disputable matters, areas that the Bible doesn't clearly address, we must put consideration above preference. That's, that's what you find. Today, I want to talk about a unique assignment that Christ followers have in the world. We are called to represent him wherever we go. And this brings purpose, tremendous amount of purpose to our life. There are some interesting developments I've covered in a survey by Barna Research Group. There are some growing generational differences toward faith sharing, toward sharing your faith with others and in the hopes that they decide to follow uh, the faith that you enjoy. Here's a chart, the changes in attitudes across generations. Um, You probably, I don't know if you know that chart. My purpose is not for you to read it, but mainly to show that the generations that are there. Here's, Here's how the generations break down. There's a generation called elders that are 74 plus. There's a generation of baby boomers, 55 to 73. Gen X, that generation is 43 to 54. Millennials are 24 to 42. And across the board, all generations of Christians have a positive view of being a witness. It's clear to Christ followers that God wants us to represent him well in our families, at work, in our neighborhoods. But there's... A divide when it comes to sharing our faith in hopes that someone will convert to follow Christ. There are sharp differences. There's, there's a major jump between Gen Xers and Millennials. It's, it's like there's a major, so it's pretty consistent up to Gen X and then it's 27% and 47% for millennials, they think it's wrong to share your faith, to share the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ with someone in hopes that they will decide to to follow him. I I was reading a blog recently titled, How Much Do You Have to Hate Someone? And the writer, James Emery White, was making a point based on a video I'd like to share with you from Penn Jillette. 
is from the Magic Act, Penn and Teller, and he happens to be an atheist. Uh, let's, let's watch what he says. I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and, you know, sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side in the um, what I call the hover position after I was all done. Big guy, probably about my age. Big guy. And um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so he had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope and the paper and stuff. If you haven't seen the live show, that's uh, not worth explaining. But he had props in the show that we'd given him from the night before. Uh, he wasn't the guy that night. And he walked over to me and he said, um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it. I wanted, and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about, you know, honesty and stuff. He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? Or, uh, Psalms from the New just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And, uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice insane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Um, and 
he gave him a gift of the Bible. It made sense to Penn uh, based on what Christ followers believe. I, I really appreciate Penn Gillette making my point this morning <laughs> for me. Uh, he made it well. If we believe, like the survey said, most Christ followers do, um, about 95% of us, if we believe that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is to come to know Jesus, we should share our faith. We should, we should hope that all people come to know him, those that we care about. The man handled the conversation and the gift of the Bible in a way that left a positive impression. The Bible makes it clear that as we live and as we relate, Jesus' reputation must be our number one concern. The Apostle Paul was a, an evangelist in the first century in the first letter to the church at Corinth. He said, basically, we should remove all the barriers possible in sharing our faith. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 9. Although I am free from all people, I have made myself a slave for all people to win more of them. I became Jewish for Jewish people. I became subject to Moses' teaching for those who are subject to those laws. I did this to win them even though I'm not subject to Moses' teaching. I became like a person who does not have Moses' teaching for those who don't have those teachings. I did this to win them even though I have God's teachings. I'm really subject to Christ's teachings. I became like a person weak in faith to win those who are weak. I have become everything to everyone in order to save at least some of them. I do all this for the sake of the good news in order to share it with others. We we have a message, we Christians. We have a message that does set people free. It sets people free from their guilt, from their shame. It opens up the opportunity for people to relate to God freely. Paul is saying here that he did whatever he could to remove all the barriers between him and someone else. All of the cultural preferences. The thing, these are things that don't really matter. These are the things that get in the way sometimes, though. All of the cultural preferences, all the personal preferences. Looking into and considering the amount of faith that someone has. He took all of this into consideration because he didn't want to block anyone's view of Jesus Christ, who he really is, and what his message is really all about. So he did whatever he could to avoid blocking others' views. So he adapted where he could to others so that they'd be able to see and follow Christ for themselves. He, he never changed the message, which has some barriers of its own. There are some things that God needs to do in our hearts to accept the message of Christ and to follow him. Uh, it has enough barriers of its own, but he tried to get out of the way so others could hear that message. This is what we aim to do here at Church of the Valley. We're working together on this. We aim to create an environment where people have room to breathe as they consider and investigate the claims of Jesus. Religious environments can be stifling, um, or they could be a breath of fresh air. We want to be a breath of fresh air. 
Paul was operating in a stifling religious environment, and we're going to see that as we keep walking through this. Um, Christ followers, though, the example Paul's setting, what he's telling us is we should flex so that we're not in the way of others hearing the message. So they don't have to look around the obstacle of us to see Jesus and who he really is. Just like Paul, we should determine not not to block anyone's view of Christ. Because of that, wherever we go, we're ambassadors first. This is our call as a believer, as a follower of Christ. If you have decided to follow Christ, this is your role in the world. We're told to keep this in mind, that we're ambassadors first as we relate to family, co-workers, friends, neighbors, and anyone we cross paths with during the day. Jesus' reputation should be our main concern, our identity, all of Christ. We are leaving an impression of him. If you have let others know that you're a Christ follower, then you're making an impression on him because you you bear his name. Um, An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. Here's an ambassador to China meeting with the president there. This this is sort of picture that you'd expect. Uh, Suit and tie, at least professional attire, they represent our country. When it comes to international affairs, people have an image of what Americans are like, and often it's negative. Uh, so our ambassadors guard the impression they're leaving on those they connect with. How many of you remember this? Dennis Rodman appointing himself as an ambassador to North Korea. Um, now, he was, he was a really good basketball player, defensive guy, rebounder, former NBA superstar, known for his outrageous behavior and shocking attire. Uh, he, he traveled to North Korea as an unofficial ambassador. I remember watching this on the news and reading his, he, because he would wear t-shirts that had messages on them. And, uh, he would send clear messages of his own personal thoughts and preferences. Probably all sorts of Americans were think, were thinking, hey Dennis, you know, you were a really good basketball player, but could you leave the diplomacy to the diplomats that are uh, working on this. That's the way it was. Rodman's approach may be a little extreme, but we have a choice in any circle we're in. Am I going to represent me, or for the sake of Christ, will I represent him? Paul highlights this issue in 2 Corinthians and shows us how to be an ambassador for Christ. First, he says, aim to persuade. This, this is not the direction that the survey was trending, is it? Aim to persuade. Aim to live your life and use words in a way that help people turn the corner toward following Christ and want to know. Out of love for God and others, we're to aim to live and have conversations that draw people toward becoming convinced of who Jesus is and follow him. 2 Corinthians 5, 11-13 says, Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. 
What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in your heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul's defending his ministry from attack uh, because many of the early Christians were from a religious tradition and background that ignored everybody else. The prevailing attitude among many of the early churches was keep to yourself, don't mingle with people who don't agree with us and those who don't live like we do. But in the middle of the criticism, Paul's saying, I fear God more than my critics. Now, the word fear here means literally to to revere, to revere or respect God. I, I respect God more than my critics, so I'm going to do what he says. That's what I'm going to work on. That's how I'm going to live my life. Then he goes on to say, uh, even if the critics are saying I'm crazy, out of my mind, which is what they were saying because of his laser focus on helping others come to know Christ, because he knew that the best thing that could ever happen to anyone is for them to turn and give their life to follow Christ. He says, even then... That's all right. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to keep focusing on helping others come to know him. Jesus was criticized for the same thing. He attracted attention as he went from town to town, interacting with the crowds, letting the afflicted come up close, touching lepers, which was not not done in the uh, dining uh, in the houses of outcasts party animals, um, all, all kinds of people that the religious establishment considered less than themselves. He did this to reach people and change lives. He got the same kind of criticism, but this was from his family. <laughs> Mark three twenty one says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. (laughs) They went to get him and save him from himself. So the same thing here is being said of Paul as he went town to town, because he would go to such lengths to reach out to people and help them understand who Jesus is. This shows us that we need to be set. It does take courage to identify with Christ. It takes courage to invite someone to church. It it, it takes courage to um, build a bridge so that you can share the gospel message with someone. But we should be more concerned with pleasing God than we are with pleasing the people around us. Paul's next bit of instruction is, in terms of being a good ambassador is to let Christ's love motivate. 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who for their 
but for him who died for them and was raised. Jesus has demonstrated a selfless love toward us, and this is our motive for reaching out to others, even if people think we're crazy. (laughs) Also, we're a good ambassador when we adopt God's viewpoint of others. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, 17, So from now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The better translation is, the old is going, the new is coming. Because once you decide to follow Christ, he he begins to do some renovations on the inside that show up on the outside. But the old is going. For sure. People really matter to God. Or they should matter to us. This is one of our core values at Church in the Valley. People really matter. No one is beyond redemption. God can take any life and transform it into a new creation. And this is the view we should take as we set out to connect with folks And share Christ with them. Finally, as an ambassador first, we must fulfill this assignment in all arenas, in every circle we relate in. All this is from God. This is an amazing passage to me. 18 through 21 of 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was... uh, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is an amazing privilege that we have. We have been handed what is called here a ministry of reconciliation. As Christ followers, we have this privilege that brings purpose to every part of our life. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile means to reestablish friendships that have been broken or disrupted. And our ministry is to help people to reconnect with God when the relationship has been broken. We serve in this world and show love to others when we help them reconcile to God. This is the heart of God's purpose in Jesus' death and resurrection. So our assignment is to take this message of hope wherever we go. That's it. God gives an amazing offer. You can trade your guilt and shame for Christ's righteousness. You can be reconciled to God. That, that's amazing. That's, that's our message. This is the message we carry in, our, carry in our hearts. As I wrap up, I'd like to, to take a look at a couple things, a couple ways that we can focus this morning on being an ambassador. First of all, I'd like to encourage you to identify any barriers in your life, if you're a Christ follower, 
identify any barriers obstructing others of their view of Christ in you. Give, give some time and thought to this week. Is there anything in my life that's blocking others' view of Jesus Christ? Is there anything I need to change? And then secondly, identify where you relate to those who don't know Christ. And ask God to help you connect with him. Be a positive witness. Then share the message of God's love with people. Invite folks to Easter next week and other other weeks. Um, make an effort to look for and connect with co- folks that you, you don't know yet to fulfill this assignment. This is what Jesus did. Here's a picture of him. It's, it's not real, obviously. Uh, but that guy looks like, you know, somebody's impression of Jesus. Um, but in the top left corner, you can see the religious establishment. They're sort of pointing, looking down on him for what he's doing there. You can see those stifling religious types in the background in this picture. Um, we find ourselves in pools of people and groups, crowds of people who don't know Christ all the time. Ask God to help you to connect with others and have a ministry of reconciliation. Maybe you need to ask God to help you find a pool where you can connect with people who don't know Christ and begin to have a ministry of reconciliation. We, we have, many of us here have connected with someone somewhere else and been invited here and then have investigated what it means to follow Christ and decided to follow him. Here are some places that many of our people who develop ministry pulls at. On the softball field, in the lunchroom at work, at a book club, in the classroom, or at the gym. You, you likely have your own circles. But set your heart to, to meet people, to help them get a good impression of what it means. Identify with Christ. Help others gain a good impression of what it means to follow Christ. And then invite them. Invite them to come investigate with you who Jesus is. Next week's Easter, we're excited to celebrate that day. should be a very good celebration. And we, we'd like to host as many po- people who accept our invitations as possible. So here's some next steps that I'd like to encourage you to take. My next step today is to invite and then just fill in the name of the person you'd like to invite or the people that you'd like to invite. Invite them to attend Church in the Valley next week on Easter. Uh, maybe God spoke to you about a barrier, something that's an obstacle that is in your life that you want to change, and uh, it's obstructing others' view of Christ in you. You want to ask God to help you get rid of that, or look for ways to connect with folks that you, you don't yet who don't yet know Christ, and connect with them and. Leave a good impression. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness, for the privilege we have of knowing you and walking with you and 
living the life that you've given us. Thank you for life itself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for uh, living that last week, living your life and living the last week, the horrible week of your death, and then the glorious day when you raised from the dead. Help us to celebrate that next week in a way that brings honor and glory to you. And every day as we live, Father, help us take the steps that you've laid on our hearts to take. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.